0: close took one out just to fill in with some of the space of the service but if you have your bibles like to turn we'll be in hebrews chapter 13 verses 15 through 19 Uh, hebrews chapter 13 verses 15 through 19 this is the word of the lord therefore let us go to him for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I might be restored to you the sooner. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. There's a quote that goes something like this. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Uh, if you think about a vacation that you've been on or trips you've taken, uh, oftentimes you don't take about the hours you spend in a car or you spend on a plane. Uh, sometimes it's not even, you don't even think about where you go. It's the memories you make along the way. It's not the destination. It's the journey. Uh, we can think of our lives in the same way. As you go about your life... Um, It's not about our coming and going from day to day. It's about those big moments that happen along the way. Uh, This is not only true in our lives, it's true in the life of the church. Today we got to share in one of those events that will be looked back on. I remember when I was baptized. It it caused me to even remember, think back when I was baptized. It's It's about remembering who we were, who we are, who we will be. And we need to keep all of that in focus as if we are to keep uh, God at the center of our lives. As we come to the end of the book of Hebrews, and we are, we are there, we are upon it, uh, we have this week and next week. I said to someone this week, I said, I wish Hebrews had more chapters. I love, I loved being in Hebrews. I'm mourning a little bit that we will no longer be in Hebrews. But... That's not to say where we're going is not good too, but I've lo- I really have loved it. And we might ask this question, how would we summarize the book of Hebrews? How would we summarize our journey? If we look back on it, as we look back over, I think it's been eight or nine months of being in Hebrews, how would we summarize it? And, and I think we might have a good summary statement here in chapter 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. We need to be a people who are continually offering up a sacrifice of praise to God. As we come and look at this text this morning, as we look at ways in which we can offer up this sacrifice, we're going to see three things. We're going to see sacrificial living, sacrificial giving, and sacrificial obedience. Sacrificial living, sacrificial giving, and sacrificial obedience. The writer or commentator William Newell says this of Hebrews The subject of Hebrews is not just our justification. It's not just our being delivered from condemnation, but our being brought into the glad company who are worshiping and praising God. Christ leading this worship. In Hebrews, as in no other book, it sets forth a believing human being left here for a few years of pilgrim existence as to earth, but really occupied with heaven, with a throne there, with the great high priest, Jesus, the son of God. The reality is this, that the book of Hebrews teaches us about Jesus. It is all over its, its pages. Over and over again, we've seen Jesus is what? He's better. He's better. He's better than anything that has come before He is a trailblazer. He is the author, finisher, perfecter of our faith. He is the one who has removed every obstacle, who has satisfied every requirement. He is the one who brings us into the presence of God. And as we look back on our journey, we've seen many great things. We've seen the progression of the argument We could go back to chapters 3 and 4 where it says don't be like Israel. Israel who rebelled and turned from God. We could go to chapter 6 and see that the covenant that God has made with his people is anchored in heaven. It is secured by Jesus. We could go to chapter 9 that talks about how in the Old Testament we see division. But that Jesus opened the way so that we could draw near to God. And because of all this, we are to offer up a sacrifice, a continual sacrifice of praise. It is futile to offer up sacrifice in any way to God that is not through Jesus. And as we saw last week, this is what the the Judaizers, those Jewish Christians who are trying to pull these Christians back to their Jewish faith. This is what they were telling them. You have no altar. You have no food laws. You have no sacrifices. And the writer says now, yes, you have a sacrifice, but your sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise to God. It's a spiritual offering of your whole lives. A sacrifice that is not for forgiveness of sins like the Old Testament uh, temple rituals, but a sacrifice of gratitude. This is the kind of sacrifice that the Christian offers to the Lord. We offer ourselves, we offer our service, we offer our praise. And this is in contrast, I think, to what many... And churches would say today, or even maybe not churches, but individuals, that their ultimate goal is to do what? To get saved. It's not just about getting saved. It's not just walking down an aisle. It's not just saying a prayer. It's more. I think that's one of the reasons we see here with uh, the Nicholsons asking that there would be prayer for follow-up because yes it's it's a wonderful thing to say in Thailand we had 4000 people pray to receive Christ that's a wonderful report isn't it is that enough is it simply enough to say well they they pray to receive Christ now we just let them go on their own no, it's not enough it has to be more and hear me i'm not saying that it's not, justification is not enough yes it is an important part of it. It is, in many ways, the key part of it. But we can't simply say, oh, well, I have Jesus, now I can go about my life. We have to offer up our lives as a spiritual offering daily. Jesus says this in the book of the Gospel of John. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. We are to be worshiping him in spirit and in truth. We go on to Colossians three and it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God, the father through him. It means that now as believers in Christ, the whole of our lives Is about worship and sacrifice to our God. Do we have lives that are characterized by the daily worship and sacrifice of our God? Sometimes I think we can compartmentalize our lives. It's it's very easy to reserve church for Sundays and maybe Wednesdays. That's not what the writer of, of, of Hebrews here or even the writers of the whole of the New Testament are saying. What they're saying is no matter what you do, be you a, a car mechanic, be you a, a physician, be you a, a waiter or waitress, whatever you do is to be an offer of sacrifice and praise to God. He goes on to give us another example. The fruit of our lips. So we are, to act, we are to offer up sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. It becomes about what we do. It also becomes about what we say. Our whole manner of speaking, all that we do with our mouth, either confesses or denies His name. And the tongue is a, a, is a weapon, as we see in Scripture, Matthew twelve thirty four. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our lips should indicate what our lives are. And and it's not, I think sometimes we can hear this and we go, oh, what he's talking about is whether I swear or not. That's not what I'm talking about. Because we, and it's part of it, but that's not the point. Because we can very easily, we can put our list of swear words over here and we can say, well, I don't say those swear words, so I'm good to go, right? No. Uh, Because there's no really difference between using one of those swear words and looking at someone saying, that guy's an idiot. That guy's stupid. That guy's a jerk. It's out of the abundance of our heart that the mouth speaks. I find it so funny because oftentimes when we become Christians, we may change our language, the, the, the words, the actual words we use, but we don't really change the things we say, right? So, whereas before we may have said uh, the D word, we now may say, darn it. Is the heart different? We may say things like, you hear all kinds of things, shoot a monkey. Shut the front door, right? You hear all these kind of like other kind of words. And in essence, we're trying to say the same thing, right? Has the heart changed? Or are we just behavior modifying? Romans 3, Paul in Romans 3 says this. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness James about the tongue says, and the tongue is a fire, a a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Words are powerful weapons, but they're also powerful instruments of blessing and worship. We need to sacrifice our lips, the fruit of our lips to God. And really what it is, is a sacrifice of heart. The whole point is that we change the way we're speaking. So we're no longer gossiping. We're not, no longer coarse joking. We're no longer cursing and complaining. We rid ourselves of these things. We rid ourselves of them. Not because it's the thing that, that earns our salvation. It's not the thing that justifies us, but it's the mark of a life that is lived and is changed after Him. Our life is different. We make way for encouraging, edifying, wise, and God-praising words. Are you living, those who are in Christ, are you living sacrificially? I think we tend to use this word as a negative, right? Oh, you're asking me to give up something. That's what it means to sacrifice, right? I got to give something up. I don't like giving things up. We tend to focus on the negative, it's not simply things that we're giving up. We're to offer something to God, worship, praise ourselves. And this doesn't mean that it won't cost us something. Sometimes it will cost us. Sometimes we give of our money. Sometimes we give of our effort. But the point is this. It's moving from one life to the other. Because that's what's actually already true in you. You were one person and now you're another. As we consider the journey of faith. Do we see our lives marked by differences? Are we giving up that which is important to us for that which is better? He goes on to talk about sacrificial giving. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I have successfully in my seven years of being in the pulpit never once did a stewardship Sunday. I'm very proud of that fact. (laughs) I have often said, well, if the text talks about it, we'll talk about it. The text is talking about it. Not in the sense that it doesn't really talk about the tithe here, but it does talk about sacrificially giving. Sacrificially giving what you have. Now, the reality is, is that this text doesn't, Specifically, save money, does it? It says, Give what you have. Give of yourselves. Are we giving of ourselves sacrificially of the things that we have? Are we eagerly acting kind for others? Are we working for their spiritual and immediate benefit? Oftentimes when we talk about giving, we link it to money. There's a reason for that. If you look at what the Bible says about our relationship with money, it doesn't have a lot of great things to say. Matthew 6: no one can serve two masters, for he either will hate one or the other, or love the, and love the other, excuse me, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. James again says religion is pure and undefiled before God. The father is this to visit orphans and widows and their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If we are going to live faithfully before God, we have to uh, worship and follow only one God. And that is the God of heaven, not the God in our wallet. But as James says, we need to do more than this. Are we, Visiting the orphans and widows in their affliction? Are we keeping ourselves unstained from the world? Oftentimes, when I pray as we do the offering, uh, I'll say something to this, to this end. Uh, we offer up our, our, our time, our talents, our money. We are to be offering up of ourselves, of all that we have, as an act of sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Material wealth is something that we all struggle with. I think I can with pretty good certainty say that the majority, if not all of this room, struggles with material wealth. I think the reason for this is that when you consider even the poorest of us in this room uh, against the rest of the world, we are very rich, we are very affluent, we are very wealthy. And we have to be very careful that we are not trying to serve two masters. We are to be different. It's not a change that we hope earns us something, but it's a change that is a reflection of what has already been given. Since you have been made different, you must live different. I think sometimes, not only money, but we... We tend to put a big restriction on on our time, right? We come with the assumption that my time is valuable. Justify me giving you my time. And if I don't see the value in it, I'm not going to do it. The problem is that sometimes we look at the gospel, we look at our response to the gospel as a a zero-sum game. Right? What, is that? what is a zero-sum game? That means that you, someone puts in and someone gets out. And it's always equal. This is not what the gospel is. This is not what gospel ministry looks like. It's not what the work of the gospel looks like. Sometimes we labor for the sake of labor and we get nothing out of it. Are you willing to serve and get nothing in return? again being reminded of why it's about who we are in christ this is the service of christ he didn't sit there waiting to go to the cross saying all right show me why i should do this show me why it would be beneficial for me to go to the cross justify the use of my time and my energy that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came to the cross willingly. Not because we earned it, not because we because we deserve it. We have to rethink the way we offer up the sacrifice of giving. But then he ends here with the sacrifice of obedience. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. So I guess I get to do a a giving sermon and then also tell you that you have to obey your leaders in the same time. Um, Two of those fun ones that you love to be able to do. But he says it here, when we talk about sacrifice, it's about obeying your leaders. It, It ends with an exhortation. Submit to the spiritual leaders established in the church. I love what he says in verse 16. Pray for us. It's one of the great, I love that we've added deacons and elders to be praying for each week. They need your prayers as they seek to to faithfully lead you. You are to submit to leaders in the church. And submission in a self-reliant culture like our own is not a popular topic. And yet he puts it here as an element of our sacrifice of worship to God. And so he says in 17, obey and submit. Obey and submit. Obey, receiving the teaching given by spiritual leaders. Submit, yield to the proper authority given by God to these leaders. True spiritual leaders are those who go before the flock into the word of God. They lead the flock into prayer and into Christian life. Leaders must lead. If you've been ordained as, a, as an elder or a deacon in this church, then you are called to lead faithfully and diligently. And as you faithfully diligently, you have those in the church around you who are called to submit. And you don't submit to your leaders because... You don't submit to me or to Alan or Mark or um, others who are not here um, because there's something special about us. You don't do it because we've earned the right. No, you submit as you submit to the Lord. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, and he gave, that is God, God the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. All of these leaders of the church come from God. It is a spiritual work they're doing. And they're tasked with two things, and he kind of goes over these pretty quickly, but they're two very big things. They're watching over your souls, and they'll give an account. There is a lot in those two statements. The first thing that it says there is that leaders are to watch over your souls. That means that the leaders God has given you in the church, they have a right to speak to to the way you're living and what you're doing because God has put them there to watch over your souls, to make sure that you are walking in the path of righteousness if, if you claim Christ as your own, if you uh, have come into a, a faithful understanding of who he is, it's one of the things, let's see if I can find it here in my Bible, we did this morning. Of course, I'm not going to be able to find it now. Uh, as we asked these questions of, of new members, and we came and we, we asked these things, it says, uh, the first, I think, three or four have to do with your relationship relationship to Christ. Do you rely and rest on Jesus? Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner? But the last few have to do with how they come before the church. Do you acknowledge that or, or do you promise to promote the purity and peace of the church to submit uh, to the leaders of the church? It's saying, "Look, I'm in Christ now. And I have a new authority. I have a new headship." And if that's a hard end, look at the other end of that. Oh, by the way, leaders, you will give an account for the way that you have looked over the souls of those of God has put in your pit, in your, in your place, in your path. Excuse me. They will give an account to God for the way in which they have led you. But he goes on and he says something really practical here. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. He says, in essence, make it a joy to be led. If it's not a joy for your, for your leaders to lead you, if they approach the leading with groaning, it's not, of an advantage, it's not advantageous for you. Be guided by the word of God. Practice godliness. Make it a joy for them to exercise the authority God has given them. Understand this about your leaders that even the strongest of men are still men and they need the grace of God. Pray for your leaders. Pray for us that we have a clear conscience. The reality is that leaders are attacked often. The, the prayer here is that they would be kept from sin, that they would act honorably in all things. But the reality is that wherever the church is strong, where it stands firm, there you find. Oftentimes, you'll find godly, biblical leaders. But you're going to have leaders who struggle. We must gladly hear and be taught by them, believe and put into practice, committing to them to God through prayer. If you've led in any capacity, either in the church or without, you know that leadership at times can be a thankless job. Sometimes leaders don't lead the way you want them to lead. Sometimes what they're doing, you may think it's not enough. People can be slow to build and quick to tear down. But the reality is this God has given you leaders for a reason. And you are called to pray for them and even to make being led easier. I've often joked, and I may have said this to some of y'all, that being a pastor is like herding cats. You ever try to herd cats? It's not easy. Everyone has their way of doing things. Everyone wants to do it their way and go in their direction. But leaders aren't given to oppress you. They're there to love you with a Christ-like love. They are to bring you into the word of God. They are to bring you before God in prayer. We come to our text this morning, we see we have a call to live sacrificially. The reality is this, that if you are in Christ, then the, the manner of your living has to change. You're no longer who you were, but you're something different. Sacrifice. Offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. Do you have a call to give sacrificially? Yes, this sometimes means money, but it also means time. It means Sunday morning when you don't want to get up. It means getting up. Sometimes it means rearranging your week to go out and love and care for somebody. Sometimes it means giving your energy. You have a call to give sacrificially and you have a call to obedience. We obey first and foremost God, but we submit to those who God has placed over us. We Like children, don't like obeying. Have you, if you've had kids, have you ever uttered these words? Why won't you just obey? Just obey. I know that my parents oftentimes have uttered that to me. But we are to make it a joy for them. It's one. I think as a child, it's something that you just don't. It's hard for you to get. I I never got it as a child. I think as we get older, we don't get it any better, really. Uh, we can see it as we're parents. One of the things I often tell my children is you know, I don't think you understand. If you just did these things that we want you to do, life would be joyous. We would have so much more time and energy and effort to do other things if we didn't spend all our time just continually having to correct these things. Make it a joy for your leaders to lead lift them up in prayer I can't stress this last one enough your leaders need your prayer I need your prayer pray for us pray for us daily and and you don't have to just pray for your elder or deacon of the week you can pray for all of them we don't have very many daily pray for them lift them up in prayer because we have an we have a sacrifice we have Something we're to be doing, all of us. We are to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. In a moment here, we're going to turn to this table. And we're going to see here the the sacrifice of Jesus. It is a reminder of what he has done for us. It is a reminder of... A reminder. (laughs) Of the blood of Jesus, of his body, broken for us. It's it's, it's a reminder not of what we've earned, because all of what we talk today is not about what we earn. It's a reminder that Jesus, Jesus in his blood and in his body, has secured for us life in him. Access to the Father. And therefore, he enables us to offer up a sacrifice of praise. So as we come now, let us pray as we finish here, even as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we now come and we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that is set here before us. Oh, Father, would we daily find ways that we can offer up our lives as as an offering to you? Would you be with us even now as we prepare for this table? That we would be renewed and refreshed in your spirit. We ask and pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.